It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Great to be back with you. It always is. Forward Progress is the name of the show. If you get at me in Twitter about the show, you should probably listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. That's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. A little bit later, we will be joined by the co-founder, one of the head coaches uh, from the Women's National Football Conference. Kirk, did you know about the uh, Women's National Football Conference prior to Purnell booking their founder and one of the head coaches, Odessa Jenkins. No, I'm not. I'm be honest with you. I did not. Yeah, and so I, I, had to do, I had to do my research and I'm glad I did. You know what I'm I mean? excited. I'm excited yes. about this organization. Uh, they're focused. They, they listen, they create an environment for female athletes uh, to sustain healthy lifestyles through playing, coaching and participating in our in our version of the gladiators, yeah, <laughs> American football, yeah. Uh, and they say it's at the highest level. It is. They're based in Texas. I don't mess with Texas, so no, I mean, say <laughs> whatever Odessa has, I'm about it. Uh, a little bit later, the uh, national soccer team that's representing America in the mm -hmm. Olympics. I, I don't even deal with genders. They yes. are the United States national soccer team. That's Correct. who they are in the Olympics, um, being themselves constantly represented. But before we get to that, we'll use the Olympics as a backdrop. And we'll also use our lack of compassion, mm. historical reference and knowledge as one. Simone Biles, the latest athlete of, of high note, uh, to let us know it don't it doesn't have to. Right. Could have done what most people have done over the years and just blame it on an injury. Which by the way, if your mental health is off, you were injured. Why don't we look at it that way? Why are we so lack of compassion? Is this what the, the, the pandemic did? Is this what those four years of Trump did? That they just said, you know what? Say whatever you want. Don't think about other people. Whatever your value circle is, that's the only one. I, I don't understand where we are, Kurt, where there's just so much noise. When young women who are thrilling us with their ability, particularly. And, and Naomi and Simone are just two in a long line of people who have had challenges with their mental health. I had some challenges this morning. Mm. Like This is not something that has to be medicated. It doesn't have to be therapy talk. It's understanding the state of yourself and knowing when it's off and trying to figure out the things that get you there. For me, sometimes it's just a cup of cider. Other times it's been therapy. I've been blessed that I don't have to be medicated except if I'm in small spaces. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I found out yeah. I was claustrophobic in the worst kind of way, by the way, my first MRI. Oh, so oh, oh, see now. I scooched oh. my big ass out that thing, Kirk, so fast. I'm we, like, 
Oh, she's like, if you move, you're not going to get the reading. I'm saying, well, you're not getting the reading no. because I'm getting out of here. Well, we have we have something in common. Uh, same yeah. thing, brother. Except for me is that they started and I actually dropped the squeeze ball that they say that if you have because I had a panic attack. Next thing I know, I turned around and I was in a dark they room. They need a bowl of Xanax to make sure I stay in that. Thing. I could do it. Yeah. Let's get back to task. Yes. What's wrong with us? Because this isn't them. This right. is not the competitor who's informing us of their inabilities. This is our inability to understand that we have enlightenment and awakenings that make things better. You know, I'm glad you brought this up because this has actually been a topic that I've been talking about this week a lot with other uh, people who have reached out to me because they're trying to figure out, you know, why is this such a thing now? And I said, well, I know when I started playing in, in the NFL uh, back in 2005, Jax, we all had team therapists, team psychiatrists. Right. But the stigma was you don't go talk to him because then people will think something's wrong mm. or, or her. You, you don't, don't go talk to them because everybody think like, oh, man, something wrong with him or yeah, he's, he's acting weird. He's funny or he's not all in. That was the stigma around a locker room, an NFL locker room. Nobody wanted to go seek out what's going on. And I've seen guys, even myself, deal with mental health issues, right? For me, um, my mental health situation was I was traded one time. You know what I mean? I was yeah. played five years in Oakland and I, my hometown team. And for me, I got traded. And so that was like a, about a depression, too. So for the first time in my life, Jax, in 2010, I got traded. I was moving away from the state of California, which I had never done before. Mm -hmm. I played high school, college, my first five years in the NFL. I had never left California. Now, all of a sudden, I was traded. I was moving out of California. And yes, it was hard. And there were times I'm like, man, did I still want to play football? Because that was the, the thing that actually helped me cope. Because when I was on the football field, I didn't have to worry about what was going on off the field. And I look at Simone Biles, I look at even Naomi Osaka, and the one thing that I say, because I always look at both sides of it, what can we do to help them? How can we help them improve where they're at? And I, I drew this comparison, Jax, of are they too young to compete at this level? Is their age a difference? They are being put on pedestals, Jackson. I could never even imagine at the age of 14, 15, 16 years old. They're not like their friends. And how many childhood movie stars or entertainers that we've seen have to grow up in the limelight, in the spotlight? And we had to watch them grow. And a lot of times we've seen them change mentally because they always felt like they had to perform. They had to live up to an expectation. And yet sometimes there has been a failure maybe at the box office or an album didn't do what they expected. And they go into a mental health realm of what do I do? And so I look at Naomi Osaka and I look at Simone Biles, honestly, Jackson, I'm saying, how can we help from the beginning? Because from what I'm seeing is that there's a lot being put on them just being young women. Yeah. Not, we're not even talking about their sport, just talking about young women. 
who are of young in age and going through not only the trials and tribulations of just their regular life, but then also having to compete with grown adults and people expecting you to be perfect, expecting you to win. And I'll leave, I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Jax. Right. But the one thing that I took from Simone Biles when in, in her press conference post, um, you know, the Olympics so far, what she said was she's so busy trying to impress others that she forgot the joy within herself of why she's doing it. And I said, wow, see, then that, that, that hit me. You, you understand that. You understand that. You fully understand that. Uh, listen, I, I know the antics of our business. Mm -hmm. It'd be great if we had separate takes and one of us got into the hard knocks of what it takes to be a winner and a champion. And you found the wrong spot today. Not happy. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, the athletes that we love and elevate and even cheer against, <laughs> there's, there's a level of compliment there. Right. <laughs> They're human beings. When did we just think that we're rooting for robots? Right. There was an actual robot shooting at halftime <laughs> during the USA France game. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was alarming and off putting. I right. prefer humans. Why can't we err on the side of compassion right now? Where, mm. where have we, where do we lose our empathy? When do we stop just being decent? When do we stop just thinking about things in terms of, well, that's not for me? Mm. I fully understand what's going on or can fully appreciate, even if you don't understand where someone's coming from in that spot where everybody wants to jump in and deliver a hot take when it's not even their job. Oh, but now I'm going to blow people's brains right out of their ears right now. You ready? I got it. Oh, I got, I got it for you too. I, I got it. I got a, I got something for you. I'll let you go. And you, I'm going to give credit me. to, to Bob Strum. And I don't know Bob. Bob apparently is in some way is connected with the Bucks because there's <laughs> there's Buck <laughs> stuff going on there. Uh, uh, let me let me find out what Bob's story is real quick before I even get in here because it's it was really the most important remembrance I had. Um, he writes for the Athletic in in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I just want to make sure Bob has all the respect he needs for this one. Because it was really important for people to stop this back in my day. Mm -hmm. All right. And I got two back in your days. <laughs> uh, one, one I'll drop after you, you, you follow up here. You're familiar with the gentleman who most people believe is the greatest basketball player of all time? It depends on who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, most people believe it's Michael Jordan. Right, correct. What did Michael Jordan do in his prime? He quit basketball. Oh, okay. I, I, we remember <laughs> the reason why the greatest player ever decided to hang it up for a couple of years while he was in the middle of his prime. I okay. believe one thing was depression, right? His father yes. had died. I don't know if he articulated it that way, um, but the way that his dad died and, and the connection that he had with his father uh brought him down and it, and it caused for some mental strife. We said things differently back then, but this man is possibly one of the top five athletes 
in any sport ever, right? Rear ESPN did the right. thing twenty years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 he was he was he was up there, right? He was in top five last time I checked. <laughs> but but here we are, twenty one years later, after crowning him that, um, twenty five years after he hit yabba dabba do time and went and played baseball, only to come back. Because he just needed to decompress because there's something about being the greatest, striving to be in the midst of it, that just weighs on you. Why didn't Michael Jordan? Now, listen, people were upset. I get it, right? Oh, yeah. Like they were, oh, yeah. Bulls fans, top of the list. And, and most of this ridiculousness comes from our selfishness because we want to see Naomi go be a badass, right? We right. want to see Simone throw a bunch of gold medals more. More gold medals around her neck. Uh -huh. her neck. <laughs> but why can't we just pull back and realize some of this stuff is not about us? I know Think of why. them as your family members and how you would react. See, that that's that's the point that you're making, though. Because mm -hmm. that's my point. The point that you're making is what and how we even tie this to what we talk about here on Forward Progress, the intersection between race and sports and social justice mm -hmm. and a thing that we've talked about over the last year and a half plus jacks is what until you're affected by it you don't mm -hmm. understand it until folks who are unaffected take a stance and say you know what let me learn more about this because i don't know because this is what i'm seeing what i'm seeing is that people who aren't affected by mental health don't understand and don't necessarily care. But when they are affected by a family member or a friend, someone close, oh man, we gotta start calling our people. We gotta start, we, 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 I didn't know, or we gotta make sure that we're saying hello to people and calling people up saying I love you because now they're affected by it. And I think that's what the, one of the biggest things for me that I'm seeing is that when you aren't affected by it, people are just like, they dismiss it. Oh, that's not me. I'll I even throw it, take it a step further. We're all see the rising cases of COVID-19 in our country come right on, now. Currently come on and preach about it now. And for a lot of people, it, Oh, it doesn't affect me. So I don't worry about it. But now all of a sudden we're starting to see it be affected. And me reading a couple stories of doctors and who have had to tell people, who have asked him, hey, can I get the vaccine now that I'm, I got COVID? And this is, he says, sorry, it's too late. It has now affected you where we're telling you for a long time, yeah. this will affect you. This can affect you, but you decide. Sadly, it. I have this ventilator. Right. Exactly. That's all that's left. That's all that's left. So I think all of it kind of speaks to the same message of, being able to be aware and understand and do the research on how mental health actually works. How does it happen? Sometimes it's not even about depression. It's not even about I, there. Aaron Rodgers spoke to um, mental health saying that I learned how I'm, I learned how to just be happy. Like that's my, my, my mental is that I know what makes me happy. Me going out doing this, doing that, that keeps my mental focus ahead. And everybody finds what makes them happy in different ways. But to hear him say, man, this is this is what makes me happy. And I applaud and I'm and I'm happiest when I'm doing this. 
So it doesn't always have to be about depression. It could be about your everyday life and what makes you happy, what makes you go, what makes you tick. And so I think that's another aspect of how it can affect you or you learn to the effects of what mental health, mental health and mental uh, awareness is all about. I saw a note from a sports psychologist who has gymnasts, not even at the level of Simone Biles and her teammates, but she would she would ban, if not for a better word, a gymnast from apparatus for at least two weeks if wow. they had any triggers or indicators that their mind was not solid. The, the work that they do specifically that's so different from the other sports, uh, if they're not sound of mind, they could kill themselves. Yeah. In an instant. Wow. Just being off while you're up on the parallel bars. Yeah. <laughs> being off while running down the mat to the vault. Wow. Being off while you're doing a double back, triple twist, whatever the hell, and landing on your head and neck. This stuff is simply about retreat. We feel like now more than ever that we can say anything about anything. I don't get it. Yeah. If you aren't an expert in that space, why do you feel like it's so important that you weigh in? I, I, that's what's happening is just this lack of thoughtfulness, this lack of compassion, a lack of decency. Um, and for everyone that is now going, oh, you guys, I mean, come on, you're around the best players in the world. Kirk, you were one of the best players in the world while active. How could you let this pass? Man, because we grow. Yeah. Because we learn and we advance. Mm -hmm. Very true. Should I work as a janitor because my grandfather did? Should you work? In a mind at 15 years old, because your great-grandfather did? No, I mean, we advanced. We started thinking and looking at the world differently. Yeah. Considering new and different things. I can do this forever. We got, we got more show. <laughs> Kirk, let's take a quick break. When we come back, opportunity in this game we love so much. And it's for the ladies. You and I both admit we're just learning about the Women's National Football Conference. We'll take mm -hmm. a deeper look. Their championship game is coming up. I think we're inside a week. <laughs> uh, their co-founder and one of the head coaches from the league, Odessa Jenkins, joins us next here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. We continue here on Forward Progress. Kirk, Jax, and get yourself ready. All right, yeah. a week from Saturday, there's some things going on, and we're about to tell you all about it. First of all, if you're not familiar with the WNFC, it's the Women's National Football Conference. Uh, th this is a wonderful space and environment for female athletes to be a part of this game this nation loves. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the great <laughs> understandings of what football in America, American football means to people, came from Howie long during his hall of fame speech <laughs> and he said to he oh wait, he rocked my world because you know i'm a baseball guy mm -hmm. that gets paid by basketball and he <laughs> said well baseball is america's pastime football is america's passion mm -hmm. and if that's the reality then all americans should be able to be a part of it and that's where our next guest comes in we say hello to Odessa Jenkins, the co-founder of the league, a head coach in the league. She's about to teach us about this league that's about to have its championship 
in, in just a little over a week. Uh, Coach Jenkins, welcome to the program. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do Take it. Back here. I'm gonna uh, mm -hmm. when you're talking to your circle and you say to him, I got listen, I got this idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always starts. <laughs> right? Right? You gotta go to your people first. Right. You gotta there have been iterations. We we've had people running around and they draws, but we're gonna do this a little bit different. We are going yeah. to have a bona fide legitimate women's tackle football league yeah and if we're going to do it we do it right in the place where it belongs most in the heart of texas yes. <laughs> talk us through uh a decade ago when when you said you wanted to do this yeah you know i um I, you're right on i mean the 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 people that love you and that believe in you the most can get you to do the wildest things they can lead you to your greatest successes or your okay. worst failures it really is uh it really is like that and you know i have been playing football my whole life to your point football it, it was a, is a passion of my family my brothers, my cousins, everyone, if you wanted to play sports, which I did as as the girl running around with the boys, um, if you wanted to play sport, you couldn't skip football. It wasn't like, hey, you can play baseball, basketball, and then you could sit out the football game. If you were one of us, you were going to run around and be a running back, quarterback, something. And so for me, it is in the veins. And as I grew up both in my life and in business, I experienced football on the field. And it just did not make sense to me that in every other aspect of my life, even as I was coaching in college basketball, that women could be developed, can be taught, and could ultimately be a part of everything except for football. It made no sense to me. Title IX advanced every sport. Tennis. They have bad men on TV, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they televise table tennis. Yeah. And so my thought was, why aren't we on TV? I'm the baddest running back on the planet. I can't be stopped. I'm putting up 170 miles a game. Two there we go. <laughs> in the slot. Like, I know this game. Why, why not us? And so, frankly, as, the, as I continued to play the game and, frankly, grew up entrepreneurially uh, and saw that women have been playing this thing for 75 years, I felt like it was time to start a real corporation and give it a real shot and go to these sponsors with the kind of pitch that they couldn't say no to. And that's, that's how the WNFC was born. How, when it comes to recruiting other women, though, how, how does that come about? Because there is that space that you mentioned where there is no uh, college football league. So how do you recruit women? And you, and you talk about the development process. How does that all work to where you're at right now? Yeah. So if you just think about it like this, uh, it doesn't take you don't have to be a lawyer to understand your rights. Yes. Right. So you don't have to have an organized football team to understand that you're a football player and to understand the passion for it. And for women, they grow up watching it. They grew up wanting to play. So we get women from everywhere, other sports mostly. You go to basketball out of college because that's the only thing that's available to you. Correct. But you want a ball, right? <laughs> women want to play football. I think that's the thing that blows the mind of the world the most. It's like, why would women want to play football? I think you need to ask yourself the other question. Why wouldn't they? Right. So we get women from the gym, from basketball, soccer, rugby, football. I mean, we have W former WNBA players, former world champions in soccer. So really, it's just creating the opportunity. And I think 
what we're seeing now, even in college, college flag football is a varsity sport for the first time in the history of the world. Um, there's more high school flag coming and tackle will come next. So I think, how do we get them to play? We just tell them it's available. The WNFC, the Women's National Football Conference championship game. Yes, sir. Am I being right when I'm saying it's number nine? This is the, the ninth? Nine, no, well, it's the nine cup. So the, gotcha. the game has its name from Title Nine, and it's love kind of it. a dab at Title Nine to say, yeah, it. <laughs> to say it was supposed to uh, equitably distribute the opportunity to play sport across all U.S. sports, sure. uh, and that has not happened. Well, what a beautiful name and, and a wonderful homage uh, to some of the most important legislation uh, mm -hmm. ever created. 1972. I'll never forget. It was the year I was born. So oh, I'm wow. always, always locked in. Um, we should note, and this the show is about the confluence of race and sport, and we bring in um, gender dynamics and, and, and sexual orientation, so many different things, because sure. everything connects to sport. Always. Um, also is is going out and winning these damn games, Coach. Apparently, your team, <laughs> your team, yeah. the Texas Elite, um, yeah. you, you, you played them all and you won them all? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, we're kind of a juggernaut. Uh, there, there's somebody that's going to knock us off. I just don't know how soon it's going to happen. But, um, yeah, the team, the, tech, the, the Spartans are – our high-powered offense, high-powered defense. We had a defense that didn't allow one point this regular season. Uh, went into the went into the national uh, the the playoffs, um, averaging 52 points a game. I got a quarterback that can do it all, a defense that can do it all. But we are up against it with the San Diego squad. They are um, they are something. They're gonna try to out tough us. They're that kind of football team. You know, I read that you are a part of the Bill Walsh Minority Internship, one of the great programs in the National Football League, and you the intern with the Atlanta Falcons. And so I just think about in your coaching career, you mentioned a lot longtime coach as well. Who's been the biggest influence for you and what you want to do and your passion for coaching? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a big Bill Walsh fan. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Dolphins fan. Uh, and so and then I'm also... <laughs> Um, a huge admirer, frankly, of my 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 college head coach. Her name's Faith Mimnaw. Uh, not 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 nationally known, but sometimes the people that have the biggest impact on your craft are the people that you engage with on a daily basis. And Correct. I went into a program which now she's been a head coach at that at that at that program for 23 years. And I think there's something to be said about a coach that builds a program that can, continues to churn out upstanding individuals uh, and wins. And so I think the biggest impact that, that's been had on me is the coaches that coach me, my high school coach, um, my college university coach, and frankly, um, you know, some of the some of the, the coaches that I've watched do it all. Uh, shout out to Coach Quinn, you know, on the Falcons. He, he took a chance on me and frankly uh, took a chance on Katie Sowers and some of the other women yeah. that came to the NFL. Um, Katie and I played played with each other on the U.S. national team and against each other. It's a big Kansas City Dallas rivalries. I want all of them. Just <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want all of them. Katie ain't never beating. So, uh, but no, so, um, but no, I think that, um, I think that there's something to be said about being coached by great discipline, strategic, smart people um, who find longevity in a sport. And that's that's kind of what I admire the most. 
co-founder of the Women's National Football Conference, Odessa Jenkins with us here on Forward Progress. Jackson Kirk with you. Uh, the championship game coming up on Saturday, August 7th at the University of North Texas. How, how cool is it to be able to get these partnerships so quickly uh, together so that you continue to, to climb that plane of significance? It's a big deal. You know, um, women's football, since we launched the WNFC, the game has been growing and more people are paying attention. And here in Texas, it is a distracted football state, right? Like everybody's <laughs> that's a, playing that's football. That's a kind way of putting everybody. It. Whoa. <laughs> Poodle football, uh, cat football. Every level. Babies. You, 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 the babies turn two and they put on helmets and it's tight football. I mean, everyone plays wow. football. So you, you would think that the opportunities are easier here, but frankly, there's more competition here. So this is the first time uh, in the history, really, of our state that a national championship was played in such a large stadium mm -hmm. here in, in, the, in, the, in Texas. And so for us, it's a huge launching point. The, the University of North Texas has been pioneering. They, they opened their arms to women's tackle football this season and even in the, the some of the state of state of the art um, um, facilities that are in Frisco, right next to the Star, the Cowboys practice facility, yeah. there is an amazing facility that's hosting our fan fest called the Academy Sports at the Star, um, big Baylor um, science uh, sports science building, and they are they're putting their arms around us and doing our fan fest on Friday night, and then and then Apogee Stadium in UNT is going to host its first women's national championship in that big uh, 50,000 person stadium so mm. we're excited well, how, well since the beginning of the WNFC to now what else has been the biggest growth that you've seen yeah there's two things the number of women playing and I think that just it, it blows my mind every year to see thousands and thousands of women playing the sport and then girls now we're right. starting to see girls come up and start and flag and want to play tackle so for me I think there's been like a 300% growth in participation in the sports wow. since we launched this thing, which mm. is wild, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is on the sponsorship end. I mean, nothing happens without money. Like, I'm not foolish enough to think I'm not running a nonprofit. I know it takes money. Football is expensive. And I think the number of sponsors that have jumped in, what Adidas is doing, Adidas Football US put their arm around us and they're like, we're going to rock with you. We're going to grow this sport with you. And Riddell Sports has done the same. I mean, to see our women in the same gear that the NFL players rocking, you know, Adidas sends us cleats. They, so to, to see that dynamic happen in a sport, uh, I think is just is just tremendous. So between the participation and frankly the acknowledgement that's happening from the sponsors uh, has been really good. Uh, I'd like to see it be some more because I'm I'm never satisfied. But but those those dynamics have been pretty wild. How challenging was it to deal with the obvious, this pandemic, and keeping people healthy and getting through everything? Um, I'm in Florida. You're in Texas. We have the same leadership struggles as it pertains to keeping people healthy. Uh, but yeah. what, uh, what, what, what did you all do and how successful were you? Yeah, it was tremendous. You know, we, we, we had to cancel the 2020 season. I mean, full disclosure, there was no way that we were going to be, a, be able to, I mean, there were the NFL canceled games. I mean, there was no way that we were going to be able to keep 
keep up on the budget that we had. But, you know, just being the way that we are, we like to call it GSD. Um, we came together as a leadership team. We have some of the smartest people that I know that are operating this league. They do this as a second job. They don't get they don't get paid for it. I mean, they're C-suite executives and other businesses. And so we got a lot of grants. We got a great grant from a program from American Express. They put their arms around us during the pandemic. Um, Adidas also stepped up and helped us financially. And so we were able to prepare for 2021. And really, um, we had a great sponsorship from Promis Diagnostic. They're a local, um, a local lab. And they did all of our COVID testing. So we got professional COVID testing for each of our athletes every week. They were tested. We, we Our operations team did a mail order deal. I mean, it was, I don't know how we pulled it off, but each of our athletes, coaches was COVID tested and will be COVID tested up into um, the, the national championship game. That's through Privet and Promis. So I don't know where these partnerships came from or how we <laughs> did it, but we were able to get everyone safely uh, through the season, uh, and we were able to identify any of our cases, you know, just like any other sporting organization, we struggled through. But I think we we got better as a result. So. You know, that's a, me and Jax kind of started the program talking about mental health and where a lot of the athletes are currently uh, in the Olympics, whether it's basketball. But for you and the WNFC, how do you guys combat mental health awareness, especially for a lot of women, that this is their outlet to maybe what's going on at home or being able to, to transition from other sports and still have that way to compete at a different level. All right, 2020 was one of the hardest years, I think, for a lot of a lot of us, me personally, right? It's the first time. I don't think you understand the value of what sport does to you until you don't have it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like oh, yeah. even talking about it. Right. And not seeing it. <laughs> um, and so when you're a sp football person, you're just a football person. Right. And being on the ground and being on the turf is uh, it saves you. And, and frankly, I have a lot of people that tell me football saved my life. Um, football changed my life. Uh, right. And I think that it's done a lot of that for for the women. So I think mentally being able to get on the field have opportunities like this. Like when the women listen to this, you guys don't understand what you're going to do for them. Like this will be the first. It's the first time you've talked about women's football on your show. Right. What that does to the psyche of a woman who's been working her tail off to build this sport is makes her want to, is inspiring. And so I think mentally, we are all still working through it. I think we're still in a pandemic, right? We're all still working from home in a lot of ways. But football is absolutely critical uh, to helping us stay inspired and frankly, feel human uh, in a lot of ways. Before we let you run, walk us through your week. Not only are you a figurehead and an administrator of this league, you're trying to win a championship. Yeah. So how, how, how does everything roll out for you as you yeah. get ready for Saturday night, uh, August 7th? It's 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 wild. You know, I'm also president of a tech company, so I wake up at about 6 a.m. Yeah. I get two computers. I start working um, and and through most of the day I do administrative and operational kind of executive level stuff. And then right at about 6 p.m. I start watching film. I have I have team meetings right about seven. So my day goes to about 1 a.m. I get a good five, six hours of sleep. But for me, it's all planning you know um yeah san diego runs this wild zone read offense so spend a lot of time with my defense and then offensively i think this is one of the best linebacking cores in the country like when y'all see these girls play 
you that's just a linebacker. I don't I, yeah. man, whatever. These are some <laughs> bruisers, right? And so um I I've been spending a lot of my day, you know, on 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 just watching film, game planning, spending a lot of time with my quarterback um and taking care of the football and but other than that that's what the day looks like i try to eat in between okay. there a little bit um that's that's about it well i know for our listeners they can't you know we're on video so they can't see what's going on so between up in the morning doing all your tech and football are those golf clubs collecting dust or are you doing something with those because me and jacks you talk yeah. about two guys who like to get out there in the course are those clubs collecting dust or are you out there playing they are collecting dust right now. <laughs> uh, they are. They are. I, li I live on a golf course. So if y'all come to North Texas and you want to get it in, we come to Waterview. We'll get we'll get some free swings in. But um, absolutely, it's something I took up during the pandemic, and I love the golf. Um, it's it's hard. It's yes. hard. But as a competitor, now I understand why all the competitors love golf, right? Because right. it's yeah. such a challenge every day. You are learning and, and, and magnifying the things that were wrong with you yesterday. Um, so yeah, they are collecting dust right now. They, they ain't getting no love, no play from the golf, golf club. <laughs> it's the Nine Cup Championship game, Saturday, August 7th. 7.30, more information. Just log on to WNFCfootball.com. Their co-founder, Odessa Jenkins. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate you. Thank you all. I really appreciate y'all. Love to you. We'll Thank be tuned you. in. All right. Uh, stay right there, everybody. When we come back, the ladies, they're repping. They're taking a knee. They're making everybody know social justice and equality still top of mind. That, as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Morrison Jackson, thanks for staying with us here on Forward Progress. Kirk, we have learned over the years that the Olympics as an entity tries its very best uh, to be apolitical. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it, 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 we're bringing nope. the world's nations together. I know for sport, but the aspect of their real world associations are going to be in place. I, I think it stood out most uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning when Iran and the United States are playing each other at basketball. I mean, you want to talk about uh, <laughs> some serious history mm -hmm. of political entities, governments that, that, are, that stand on the opposite side of things. Uh, but the basketball, you wouldn't know. And that we've talked about this for our entire time together. It is the unique power of sport. Correct. That in the, the most segregated city in these United States of America, they get in that deer district and you would think everybody was related. <laughs> and hopefully that's a, that's a, that could be a jumping point. No, it's true. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yep. Um, we're seeing a confluence of statement and support. Uh, at the Olympics. Listen, yeah, uh, America and, and Sweden played, and uh, it didn't go well <laughs> for America, right? Mm -hmm. But what you really want to see is, despite the battle on the pitch, despite what may be going on in these individual countries, and I know specifically, think about Australia, where we saw that picture of um, the women's soccer team Pose with the indigenous flag, right. linking arms before they are kicking off with uh, the folks in New Zealand. Those are stories we don't know because it sounds, you know, all that's a half world away. Right. But, you know, each of these nations are struggling with 
trying to make sure that the people that were there first yeah. uh, have and live a life that is represented and respectful of such things. Um, the IOC doesn't love protest, obviously. Um, but I don't look at these things as protests. If you're kneeling and in solidarity, if you're making gestures that um, support people who are underrepresented and, and tend not to have a platform to speak for themselves, those don't fall under protests for me, yeah. um, which is maybe the, the little bit of room that is existing because I'm not hearing major admonishment from the IOC either as some of these things are going on. No, I think this is all about awareness. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I think if we remove the word, think about it, if we remove the word protest and we replaced it with awareness, right? I, I think it would co come off a little bit different. Hey, did you see the, the you know, women of Australia uh, in their moment of awareness of what's going on in their country? You know what I mean? Like, that's where I feel that a lot of people are taking their platform of the Olympics. This is the only time that they can do it. Yeah. And you mentioned it. When we're all on that that that, that field, the, the 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 pool, court, wherever the sport is being played at, we're all there to compete. But it does not take away from what's going on in that individual country. And so if you have the time or the the moment of awareness to say, hey, look, I'm competing for my country, but we also have some things that we are trying to fix. We are working to fix and we're getting things done differently or we just want to bring more awareness to the situation because this is about sports. This isn't about government. This isn't about politics. We try to keep the politics, right? We try to keep the politics out of the Olympics. It's all about the games, but these games also involve people who have to go back to these respective countries and go back to how things are being done. And so, yes, it is a moment of awareness. I don't, like I said, when I'm here in the Olympics, I want to hear more about the awareness because like you mentioned, we want to know more about what's going on outside of our little vacuum, outside of our little bubble, because we know about our own issues. We know about our own issues in our country. And then you start to see like, man, I can't believe that they're going through this as well. Or this part of the country, they're going through this, but guess what? We don't get that on our headline news. We don't get, we don't, we, we don't see that on our Fox News, CNN, you know, headline news because we're so focused on us. But sometimes you may have to look at what's going on in our, in, in other countries and also see how they're dealing with it. How some people have actually, maybe other countries have fixed problems. We should also be able to see and take from what they're doing as well. So give credit to all of these soccer teams uh, who have a different dynamic, right? Uh, the, the American team decided earlier this year to stop kneeling during the anthem. Um, but this is right before kickoff. Like, this is a different – could you imagine, like, after the anthem, everybody's on the field, kicker lines up, everybody takes a knee, right? Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is something that's – it's just neat to see. I mean, the, the British players decided – uh, at a team meeting before flying to J Japan to perform uh, this gesture uh, that has been featured uh, over the last year, club matches in England, by the way. Um, it's just that they didn't tell the their opponents. <laughs> and so the Chileans, uh, who seem to be caught off guard, um, 
Yeah. Just joined in. Yeah. Just joined in. In solitude, man. It was awesome. They said it was an issue about not being in sync. Uh, they just weren't able to communicate properly due to language. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> and just, uh, but what, you know, what happens is you're like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. You oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's what we're doing. Oh, that's what we're doing. Listen, and give FIFA some credit because um, this had been shunned, this type of activism in the past. But FIFA relaxed its policies last year uh, after players in Europe decided to use matches uh, to protest. What, what yeah. happened here last summer radiated around the world. We can't forget that. That is true. Um, that is and true. So, so FIFA told its referees to apply common sense, to allow players to display T-shirts with messages and whatnot. And uh, listen, the IOC, if you do it off the podium and your governing body is okay with it, apparently that's the gray area. So mm -hmm. we didn't hear about any pushback. But if you get up on their podiums now, <laughs> oh, yeah, brother, all eyes on you, Tupac. That's a, that's, that's a different thing. But mm -hmm. it's, you get fired up, you're in the moment. Uh, there's a job to do. Yes. I'm all about that. Me too. But also be aware of, what Megan Rapino talks about all the time. You're on the global stage, got the world's media and eyeballs, people's attention. They're all drawn to this one place, this collection of incredible athletes from all over the world who care about what they're doing in Tokyo, right? Uh, right. They also care about a lot of other things. It's like we were talking about at the start of the show. Like, let us not forget. I, listen, some of these athletes are superhuman. Or yes. seemingly so. Most of them just work harder than us. <laughs> but seemingly that's the dynamic. So I understand why we can get confused. But once you've gathered yourself and you do come back to earth and you realize that it's someone's child over there. Mm, that's it. Right? Yeah. Or someone's sibling over there that has gone through some things. Mm. Maybe they are a millionaire now. Were they always? No. And, and how much that money soothes the reality of what they're going through or can solve the world's problems or even our nation's problems or maybe just your state's problems or your county or your city or even on your street. Sometimes it's symbolism and gesture that gets you everywhere you need to be, Kurt. Yeah. It, sometimes that's all you need, though, too. That's all you get. Getting to where you need to be a lot of times is actually just common sense, too. <laughs> Sometimes we don't use enough of it. We're always trying to find something different or uh, play this or play that. Sometimes we just got to sit back and think and figure out where we're at and how do we move forward in a lot of situations. That's why they call the show Forward Progress. <laughs> I saw it coming yeah. and I had to grab it. Thank you. Yeah. Brother. Hey, Got listen, it. we thank Odessa Jenkins for swinging by, co-founder and head coach from the Women's National Football Conference. Check them out. All you got to do is log on to WNFCfootball.com. Uh, they got their big championship coming up on, uh, what is that, the 7th? That's a the week seventh, from Saturday. Yeah, a week from Saturday. So check them out. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We always love our illustrious, hardworking producer, <laughs> Hernell Brown. He's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.